G'day everyone and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Wrap brought to you by Crowcast. Of course, fairly dismal result for the Crows this week, uh, but I'm sure we'll be able to pull some positives out of it. So stick with us and we'll get straight into it, shall we? Good day, everyone, and welcome to the weekend wrap again. This tenth of July. Sorry, I had everyone on mute, uh, and that pretty much uh, signifies how the crows went this week. They were pretty mute. Nick, how are you going? <laughs> oh God, that was a depressing watch today. It wasn't great, was it? Not great at all, unfortunately. Uh, but never mind. Uh, thanks to everyone who's. Uh, weathered the storm and joined us in the live studio chat and also on youtube uh tonight uh i dare say nikki that we'll be able to cut through this one fairly quickly (laughs) (laughs) so do we just play like all of our complaints for all the other episodes it's kind of it it, isn't it it's like what what more we were saying after the uh after the game in the in the stadium chat on Discord, and for those watching who aren't aware, we have a live chat during the game every week on our Discord server. So if you're not around that, join up on our Discord server. The the uh, links in the description and uh, get around the lively <laughs> live chat. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we were saying afterwards, it's like, what more can we say? It's just the same thing every week, and to me. Uh, it seems like we've almost regressed a little bit this season, Nikki. Yeah, and that's what's so annoying about this season. I mean, we, we've had some, some nice little step-ups from some players, but overall as a team and from the coaching mm. staff, um, you're right, I think we've actually gone backwards. It does feel that way, doesn't it? Um, anyway, look, let's whiz through Macca's bloody weekend results shall we (laughs) and then we and then we can get into the main stuff all right so what do we have we had on uh earlier in the week (laughs) we had the the, the two teams uh, i hate that i wanted neither of them to win yeah we had the cats uh 12 19 91 getting up over the um the demons 9963 28 points there to the cats Meh. Right. Uh, the Swans absolutely telling up the Bulldogs 17, 18, 120 by 53 points to the Western Bulldogs 9, 13, 67. And, uh, yeah, just uh, the uh, Western Bulldogs are just uh, a little bit off the boil. 
they're a bit more than a little bit. Yeah. How long will they stick with beverage? I mean, he's in no danger at the moment, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what carnage occurs when they decide that they've had enough of him. Yeah, it, it will It will be interesting. There's always been a lot of rumours about his particular style. Now, it works for, for some players, but I, I don't think it works for all of them. Mm. Um, it's just a hard thing to do. And, and I think the way that they've gone back, they'll use the excuse of, I mean, and they've had some kind of significant injuries, but still there's a lot of quality in that side. They just can't get it to work. Yep, most definitely. Uh, Collingwood scraping in by the skin of their teeth, seven-point winners over North Melbourne, 13-10-88 to 12-9-81. And um, David Noble decided to play Jason Horn francis in the twos. Their number one pick, their coveted number one pick, that they resisted all outlandish offers for. And uh, under the pump in terms of whispers about him wanting to come home, etc., Played him in the twos. Do you reckon it cost them? Didn't see the game, but um, Jason got like 20, 29 touches in the twos. Um, yeah, I don't like it. You number one pick, you play him if he's fit. Um, the Suns, a fantastic effort to uh, come back from the dead to get up, up by two points over Richmond, 14 10 94. To 13, 14, 92, and really puts them in the hunt for a finals appearance, which uh, would be excellent for that club. Um, I kind of gave up on that game part of the way through because yeah, it, was, it was quite a good too. contest. The Richmond kicked away, and they seemed to kick away, and I'm like, oh, I got, and, and I had to uh, get ready to to go out. And then when I saw the results, I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. Um, can we have a Noah Anderson? That'd be nice. Yeah, ice in his veins, that lad, nailing that shot wasn't the but simplest of shots at the end. The other the other thing as well, but this is a Richmond thing at the moment, is they cannot run out games. They get run over an awful lot. And even when they do win, they look very tired. I, I think the game style is taking a lot out of those younger players and they just can't quite cope with it. Yeah, and also I think their older, their more senior players are just getting a little bit more senior. Um, they're going to have yeah. to rebalance that squad a little bit, but uh, you'd expect them, you know, after so many years up and about. Um, the only team that seems to uh, continually front up is bloody Geelong. I don't know how they do that. There's something in the water down at Geelong, but, uh, you, you know, you'd forgive the Tigers for having a, a coming off the boil a bit. Um, St Kilda getting done again in a game that they would have hoped to have won at, won at home. 10-10-70, Frio by 41 points in the end, powering along nicely after that hiccup uh, last week. 17-9-1-1-1. Didn't see the game, can't really comment. Yeah, same, but I, I think Frio are very much on the rise. Yes, absolutely. He's got them going well. Um, the power, uh, easy winners, 55 points over a fairly lacklustre Giants, 12-12-84 to 3-11-29. If a team can only kick three goals at the Adelaide Oval, they're not doing much right, and uh, the Giants would have been disappointed with that one. And Phil Davis with another hamstring injury. Yeah, yeah. Um, Essendon. Probably the best result for us for the whole weekend. Uh, 15 10 100, getting up over a depleted Lions. 
think they had nine out Brisbane uh, with COVID and various other things. Thirteen, twelve, ninety, ten point winners, the Bombers, and uh, as we'll see in a minute uh, when we look at the ladder, that helps us greatly in terms of our draft position. It does, but uh, Essendon still played well. They've been playing well for the last two or three weeks, uh, Essendon. Um, yeah, so, I think it's yeah. it's really started to click for them. They've had some really nice transition up forward. Yeah, um, Benny Rutten might just be earning himself another season down there. Um, Carlton smashing the Eagles uh, by 63 points, 17-14-116 to West Coast, 8-5-53. It's a result that Carlton needed and uh, they delivered, so they're still in the hunt for a top-four spot. Yeah, especially with the way the, the others are going. The, the Eagles did um, push back against them for a bit. But then the so, class of Carlton yeah. just kind of kicked in. Probably lack of class of West Coast more than anything else. Um, which leaves us with Geelong now at the head of the table on 48 points, on percentage over Melbourne and Frio also on 48 points. Uh, really handy if Frio can uh, pinch a top four spot there. That'll get them deep into the finals, you'd suggest. Uh, Brisbane in the top four on percentage on 44. Carlton and Collingwood just outside the the four, also on 44. I wonder whether Collingwood can sustain this little run that they're having at the moment. Uh, they've got us next week, so you pencil that in for a win as well. So they're going all right. Uh, Sydney on 40. Richmond in the eight, still on 36. St Kilda uh, not doing themselves any favour, just outside the eight on 36 points as well. The Bulldogs and the Suns and the Power, one game out of the eight on 32 points. Uh, the Power got a difficult one against Melbourne next week. Uh, the Suns and Essendon will be a very interesting game. And uh, St Kilda Western Bulldogs as well. Uh, both those teams uh, fighting for a spot in the eight as well. So uh, a couple of interesting games there. Uh, the Giants on 20 along with Hawthorne and the Crows. The Crows slipping down to 15th spot now in percentage. Uh, just above Essendon uh, by you know, best part of half a percent. Um, also on 20. Uh, West Coast on 8 points and North Melbourne on 4 points. So um, a couple of interesting games next week. Geelong Carlton will be interesting. Melbourne Port, very interesting. Frio Sydney will be a cracker, I reckon. Um, Brisbane and the Giants. You'd expect the Brisbane Lions to bounce back there if they get some players back. Carlton, uh, I've already mentioned that one. Collingwood, Adelaide. You'd expect Adelaide to... uh, Put up a show at home, but uh, Collingwood probably too strong there. Um, Richmond should get over North Melbourne and keep themselves in the eight. St Kilda and Western Bulldogs probably fighting for any chance to get into the eight, as are Gold Coast, um, who come up against Essendon. So some interesting games, Nick. Um, Probably one or two spots still up for Sydney and Richmond, certainly not home in terms of a top eight spot, um, and probably... You'd say down to Port Adelaide, still in with a sneaky chance of uh, of sneaking into the eight. And you never quite know which team is going to turn up for a, for a lot of those teams because they're very up and down. Mm, um, that's right. So I don't think, yeah, you can't really make too much of a prediction. No, very difficult at the moment to predict anything. The only thing that is predictable, uh, Nikki, is uh, Adelaide when they don't put in a hundred percent effort. Um, they will not look very good at all. We're an effort team with not a lot of finesse and not a lot of polish. 
and that showed certainly in the first half against Hawthorne when our, our effort levels just weren't there and uh, as a consequence Hawthorne skipped away early and uh, despite a little bit of a fight back in the third quarter we didn't have the polish to uh, make it count on the scoreboard and then Hawthorne uh, ran away with it in the last so um, not a lot well, to there, like. There was, there, was, there was effort from the very start and then some changes got made and the effort <laughs> dropped. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I felt like our midfield mix, uh, the first couple of CBAs was good. We had Berry in there, we had Crouch out of there and uh, I think we won the first two or three centre clearances. Um, yeah, we did. And then, of course, they rotated... Um, I think they rotated Barry out for, for Crouch and it all went to shit, <laughs> basically. I'm shaking my head. <laughs> Nick, I thought we'd do something a little bit different uh, this week. So we'll go through the lineups um, as we do uh, with the benefit of hindsight. And then uh, we might actually play Matthew Nix's press conference because it wasn't very long. But I, I felt like there were some things in there that he said that were quite perplexing. So uh, we brought in... Um, oh, I've got the wrong one in there. That's bloody stupid of me. Um, let's just fix that while we talk about it. Um, Matthew Crouch, the big in was Matthew Crouch, and that was the one that seemed to be the most perplexing. Could you see any reason at all why Matthew Crouch should have been in there? Not a one. Um, the only reason he's in there is because um, all of our coaches keep getting asked by the media, where's Matt Crouch? Um, almost every news item in the sport uh, is what's his future going to be? It's all about Matt Crouch, Matt Crouch, Matt Crouch. Matt Crouch. So has he paid the media off? Um, I, I swear know. the only reason they kind of put him back in is that they keep getting this insane amount of ridiculous pressure from a football media who don't know anything about football if they keep asking why he's not in the team. Well, are the football media just, taking just watch the, game. Are they taking the piss? I, I guess that's what I'd like to ask. Are they taking the piss? Because it seems to me that's exactly what they're doing. Because Blind Freddy can see that... Um, Matty Crouch isn't in our best 22 and yet no. they keep pushing the barrow just on the basis of uh, on the basis of results uh, of disposals and uh, you know let's have a look they brought Ben Davis in as a medical sub didn't get a run um, I suppose that's because they wanted to give the players that didn't make the team um, a full run so I can kind of get that one they brought Will Hamill back in. Um, I mean, he didn't play too bad, but did he deserve to come back in straight away? I don't know. Ned McHenry I, was I the think one. He, he, to me, he was the swap for Shoal. Yeah, but he played on or, the deck. He played played on the ground, whereas Shoal was medisub. So I don't know about that. Yeah, I think Shoal should have played last week because he, he played a good game, and then they shoved him back the medisub. Um, uh, I actually thought Hamill, whenever the ball was near him, I thought Hamill did quite good in terms of defence. Um, we didn't get as much run from him as we would have liked, but I, you know, I was actually okay with him back on the side. Mm. Ned McHenry was another one. I, I don't know whether Ned has earned a straight back in selection after injury. 
Um, he had that knee problem, obviously, last week. Um, you know, and Ned, I think Ned epitomises our team at the moment. All effort, no polish. But I just don't understand why Ned would be considered a best 22 because you don't bring McHenry back in straight off of injury if unless you think he's best 22. So at the moment, Ned McHenry is considered best 22, uh, which I find perplexing. But it really gives us an insight, I think, into what Matthew Nick's values at the moment, which is effort. Yeah. And then we've I mean, got Matt I, Crouch. I thought Ned did some good stuff as well, but you're right. There, there needs to be that little bit more polish from him. Yeah, I, I mean, just talking about selection here, uh, regardless of how it panned out, I just some of these selection um, decisions are a bit perplexing just for the logic that they show. Um, and I, there's yeah. been uh, lads, you know, Tarek Newchurch has been overlooked despite a, a good vein of form in the in the. In the twos, you would have thought that on a fast deck um, against a side um, equal to us or even with us on the ladder, that it would be good, a good chance for Tariq to have a run. And the problem is what they do is that they they don't reward form in certain circumstances. And then you get a bloke like Matt Crouch who has a couple of 40 disposal games in the twos, and so he should, um, and they want to reward form... For, for a senior player you know we've got a lot of junior players sort of um, you know going going pretty well in the t- in the twos and not getting a look in and yet Matt Crouch can come straight back in and Ned McHenry can come straight back in I, you know I've been banging on for a couple of weeks about the issue of trust um, between the playing group and the coaching slash selection um, group and I just feel like selection calls like that really don't serve the trust very well between players and coaches. It, there's not a lot of... And the, and there seems to be a bit of a divide. And we saw that on the ground a little bit too with um, Tex a couple of times berating Sam Berry. Um, you know, and paradoxically, that those same senior players are, are sprouting off that Crouchy should be in the team during the week. I, I think there's a bit of a chasm between the senior players and the junior players um, and I have felt that way for a month now and uh, I think it's a bit evident in the way that the seniors are carrying themselves in the media and it's also been reinforced by Matthew Nick's selection policy don't you think? Uh, completely and I think we saw a little bit of it last year as well um, from when we were having quite a bad patch that there seemed to be that that disconnect was was happening there. Mm. Yeah, I think if the the senior players, if I'm a senior player at the Crows at the moment, particularly one with one or two years left in my career, like a Tex Walker, um, I'm pretty comfortable that I'm not going to be playing in a premiership team. And if I'm not going to be playing in a premiership team, then what is my primary purpose in the team? If I want to stay playing for the Crows and Tex obviously wants to continue to play for the Crows and I'd say Sloan is the same and Crouch would be the same and Brody Smith would be the same, what what are their roles? And to me, I don't think the senior players have embraced the development of the juniors. I, I, I feel like the senior players are fighting tooth and nail for their spots. Um, and to me, that 
you know, next goes on about team first philosophy. That doesn't seem very team first to me. Oh, it's you have to you you have to reverse that. It, it should be that the senior players are the ones that should really be fighting for a spot, and the juniors and the ones that are developing are the ones that you need to give a lot more leeway to. And yeah. it's the complete opposite that's actually happening with Adelaide. Well, and when you've got a situation where Matt Crouch racks up a, a whole bunch of touches for no no reward, really, um, I think he had something ridiculous like 12 metres gained from 20-odd touches at half-time. It was just absolutely horrific. Um, you know, um, you've got a situation where Tex Walker berates Sam Berry for not putting it uh, to Tex's advantage, but I, I would actually argue that Tex led to the wrong side. <laughs> Tex should be leading yeah. down the guts, not to the bloody pocket. Um, you know, uh, but but irrespective, I don't feel like um, that sort of um, berating from a senior player is really warranted to a player who, let's face it, and I don't want to preempt anything here, but I thought Sam Berry was amongst our best. You know, uh, it, yep. in terms of his effort, his uh, tackling, his one percenters, his uh, work off the ball, um, you know. So for all that good work that that he does, he puts one to the wrong side of the contest with Tex and Tex berates him because Tex didn't get, that, get it given to him where he wanted. And to me, that's extremely selfish. And And... It was an incredibly open forward line, and the correct move was yes, text to lead out there, but then to double back. Yeah, into that into the centre where there is there was so much space for him to do, and he'd started to get his man to go that way. Um, so maybe it was Barry released a bit early, and that might have been his intention, but it it looked entirely like that text was just committing to that lead. Out to the pocket, which is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, I mean, look, at the end of the day, uh, Sam does have a bit of work to do on his disposal and decision-making, but Jesus. I mean, if you're going to have a crack at Sam Berry, Tex Walker, you might want to have a look at how many times Brodie Smith bombed the ball long to a two-on-one down the line and the ball just kept kept bouncing back. So, uh, anyway, I didn't think it was warranted, but I thought it really highlighted, I think, that the, the... the harmony within the team or, or that real that real chasm between the senior players and the junior players. And I, I think Matthew Nix is actually facilitating that at the moment. And if it were me, Matthew Nix has got to think about who his next premiership team is. And none of those players, Matt Crouch, Tex Walker, Brodie Smith, uh, none of those players are part of his next premiership team. So, and those blokes shouldn't need to be coached. They, you know, 200-plus games, most of them, they shouldn't need to be coached. His, all his efforts should be focused on the younger lads. Um, and we heard in the in the commentary, you know, Sam Mitchell, you know, working really hard to get games into his young players, and they had a fairly young team uh, across the park. That's what we should be doing, playing not only playing players, but playing them in the positions that are appropriate for them, that we drafted them for. Yeah. Um, you know, and we've seen Jackson Haightley go backwards since he was shuffled out of the midfield onto a wing. He's not a wingman's backside. 
Um, but he's no, been put he's out there. Yeah, he's been put out there to accommodate, um, you know, Ben Keys, um, Matt Crouch, and and Rory Laird. You know, if if we want Jack but, Hately to honestly, be part of it, those three do not deserve to be in the centre. Well, not on current form, and you know, if if people look at disposals as the indicator of whether they're in form or not. I'd like them to actually go back and have a look at the game and see how many effective kicks. And was when I'd say effective kicks, I don't mean lateral kicks 20 metres to, you know, low-risk things. How damaging were yeah. they? How how difficult to play against was were Matt Crouch and Rory Laird? You know, how difficult were they to play against? I would put that Sam Berry and, to a lesser degree, Harry Schoenberg were harder to play against this week because they did more damage with the ball. Yeah, and and that's with Schoenberg having an absolutely putrid first half. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> At least he pulled and, his finger. Yeah, his and credit to Harry. So credit to Harry that he stuck with it and he, and he started uh, – him and Sam were certainly integral in getting us back into the contest in the, in the third quarter. So, you know, again, uh, to me, um, um, selection smells – it smells a lot. Yeah. I just want to have a look at. Um, I just want to have a look at Matthew Nix's uh, press conference uh, because I just found that it I was quite it. interesting. Um, and I'll put this up on the screen. Yeah, let's let's just walk our way through Matthew Nix's press conference. Damage was done earlier. I guess we happy with the way they bounced back back to the glass half full type thing or glass half empty with the, the start. Um, oh, we, we will find the positive in the probably the second half, but the most disappointing part was the way we started, and um, you know we coughed the footy up, we, we didn't stick tackles, yeah, everything we pride ourselves on, week in week out, um, we left somewhere, and it took us a time out, you know, quarter time to come together and actually put that back at the level it needed to be at and that then I guess got us back in the contest so that's against any team doesn't matter who you're playing against if you don't bring the the contest at the level well you're going to be found out and and to their credit they they punished us in that first quarter so more disappointed to be honest than than half glass full glass half full sorry but we um we will always look at what we're able to do then from that point on um We'll take a lesson out of both. So, so who's he actually talking about? Because, like you pointed out, Nikki, when the game started, we got the first three set clearances, and we did look up and about. And it wasn't until that first rotation where we ended up with Keys, Laird, and Crouch in the midfield that we started to uh, look a bit second rate, and we started to lose shape and uh, lose contests around the ball. So, yeah. is, you know, and, and this this is not an isolated event. This, this has happened every time we've had those three in the midfield rotation. It's not an isolated... This should not be a surprise to Matthew Nix. No. It shouldn't be a surprise to anybody who actually watches football and critique it correctly. I think, um, and I've I've hated this is this is something I've hated was the whole thing about Super Coach coming in and 
and also when you get all the betting um, and the adverts that happen on that and you get commentators who overrate players for possession numbers. Mm. Um, and, and I think that's partly where it comes down to because a lot of people are, are looking to that because they were still going on about how Laird had, oh, you know, had so many possessions and everything else. I'm like, yeah, but how many of them were good? Well, at halftime, Mark Bickley on 5AA had Crouch as our best player. I mean, what does that on tell what you about... Business? What What does that tell you? I mean, I know Bix has got nothing to do with the Adelaide Crows, but he's kind of reflective of a culture or a mentality that exists at the Crows at the moment. They are so wedded to, I'm going to say it, the, the senior players, the boys' club, the senior boys' club, that it, it's like they're watching a different game. I, I, I watched... Matt Crouch intently during the game, and I can tell you of the <clears throat> of the kicks that he had uh, during the match, there were two kicks that I would call attacking. Two kicks where he tried to make something happen, um, and the rest of it was all defensive rubbish. He's flat-footed in the contest. He doesn't offer any defensive running whatsoever. His player gets off him consistently. Now. If Matthew Nix is talking about effort, um, he has to hold senior players accountable. You know, they're the, they're the, that's the coalface. And, um, you know, he's brushed over that in this part of his conf- press conference. Let's keep going. Intensity at the start or more on your guys? For, you know, oh, again, I don't want to take anything away from what Hawthorne brought early because they were, they were harder at the footy, they were harder in the tackle. Um, but we, we just coughed the ball up, you know, which is something we um, it's something we don't do. You know, even though we are, you know, we've got some guys in there with not quite the experience of, of other clubs. That- See, that's a lie. It's something we consistently do. We consistently cough the ball up. We, we lack any yeah. sort of polish whatsoever. We turn the ball over, we go down the line long regularly to outnumber contests. And we consistently turn the ball over. Um, so what he's saying there is not based on any level of truth whatsoever. You know, and surely, surely he has stats and he has vision and he has analysis and all the rest of it to show um, that what he's, you know, what he's saying is not true. So he's just bullshitting there. That's just plain utter bullshit. That's an area that we, we enjoy. We embrace the physicality and, and the fight in there. Today, for whatever reason, um, we, we didn't do that in, in the first quarter. In terms of the, the fight back in the second half, there's some things you can pinpoint in terms of positives that you can really take out of it in this moment, or is it something you want to sort of look at in the next few days? Uh, well, look, a lot of positives out of the, the fight back, and it was getting the basics right. You know, we started putting our head over the ball and we started you know, basically treating that ball like gold rather than just giving it away. Um, sometimes it's fatiguing when you get that far, you know, you get that far down at quarter time, and you, you you spend the next two quarters working your way back into the game, and um, they they knock a couple through quickly on you, and the, the fatigue sets in, the mental fatigue of what it is to try and fight back into a game. So I thought that's what we looked like throughout that last. You know, we were grinding, we were given everything we had, but it was too late. Um, what I can say is the boys are sitting in there at the moment just extremely disappointed because we 
Um, we know you can't start games in that manner. How do you get something out of the last six weeks? How do you make sure that this doesn't just sort of peter out? Oh, we won't. We won't peter out. No, we're really confident. We, there's no, there's no grey areas on us petering out. We, we know. So, what evidence is there that we won't peter out? Like that again. That is just a salesman, a comment from Matthew Nix, um, because we've seen that we have um, not been able to sustain efforts for four quarters in many games. And we've also seen, if you have a look at our scores over the last um, six weeks, we're struggling to kick over 10 goals. So what is the point yeah. of, of hacking and slashing and, you know, playing dirty, grubby football um, with no polish or finesse or system whatsoever if we can't get a score on the board? You know, it, and again, this is, this is probably my criticism of Matthew Nix at the moment is that he values effort above everything else. And, of course, if you've got a team that isn't providing effort, you're not going to win many games. But it can't be won on effort alone. And I don't. I, I actually thought this year was going to be the season where we started to transition from just an effort team to an effort team with some weapons. Um, but not only do we not have that, but he doesn't seem to want to play players in positions where they can show their weapons. And the best example of that is Jordan Dawson. Sam Mitchell had one plan for Adelaide, and that was to blanket Dawson's run off half-back. And they did that. And Matthew Nix didn't do anything about it until half-time. Did, did, didn't do one thing. Geordie Dawson hardly got a sniff in the first half because he was being hard-tagged. And at no stage did Matthew Nix try to break that up and make us difficult to play against. And the only time he did it was after we had a bit more of a fight back that Barry and Schoenberg kind of got us in there that they only put Dawson, I think, on the wing at the start of the last, wasn't it? And it was that was so late to make that call where it should have been done halfway through the first quarter when we saw that there was the heavy tag. And yet, as soon as the opposition gets a slight sniff and kicks maybe one or two, that's the fastest times Knicks will actually make a decision is to move Dawson back after he's moved him out. And I'll tell you something else that it showed, Nick. I I would say that that was Tom Diddy's best game for the season. And a lot of people have been hanging out on Tom Diddy this year, and I've been consistent in saying I don't think he's been used to, to to our best advantage by by the coaching staff because he's been forced to play lockdown roles or tall, you know, key position defensive roles. He is a dead set rebounding defender, and we saw that when Hawthorne were putting a lot of work into Geordie Dawson, it allowed Tom Diddy to get off the leash a little bit. And here we are wasting a player that is that came second in Sydney's best and fairest last year. We we're wasting him in the last line of defence and we're allowing him to get tagged, to get defensively tagged in their forward line without doing anything about it. I, it just to me, I don't understand how a coach could let that happen for more than five minutes. As soon as you see Sam Mitchell's going to hard tag Jordan Dawson... He's your best player, certainly this season. You need to do something to free him up. And we just did do nothing. We did nothing. 
Yeah, we we just let it happen. And this is what's so confusing to me about Nick's is because I remember his first year and there were a couple of games that we had, you know, that game where we really pushed along um, and we weren't expected to do anything like this. But the way he would change up our game style and the way he actually would select teams to kind of combat the opposition but to give us more of a, a fighting chance in a way. And I was really impressed with him in his first year because you could see this, oh, my God, we've we've got a coach that's actually reactive and proactive at the same time. Mm. Mm. And yet after that first year, he's just kind of stuck with a very similar structure and this is this is the only way we are going to play. Well, it's not it's even a structure. I, I don't even see it as a structure. Uh, you know, we we were ref- trying to be Richmond. Yeah, it's a, it's a game style maybe that that is built on hard hard work and ground ball gets and contested ball and all the rest of it. But there's no structure in terms of ball movement. There's no consistency in the way you you can't actually identify how Adelaide like to move the ball, except that we're very boundary side focus. Um, we're terrible in the way that we bring the ball into forward 50, very unpredictable, and it must be extremely difficult for a forward to understand where to run and what their pattern should be, their leading pattern should be, because half the time the ball is coming in so haphazardly. Um, there doesn't seem to be any system whatsoever. You know, we, we get caught hat-kicking out of congestion. We get caught kicking the ball long down the line. Uh, when we switch the play, it's quite slow. Um, there's no dynamic movement whatsoever, and um, I don't. I'm starting to wonder whether Matthew Nix has got that in him. Anyway, let's continue. We know exactly what we do when we play our best footy, and we know we can do that. Um, we'll have a good look at that first quarter, just to make sure we've got it right. But we've already we've reviewed the game already. Sitting in for 15 minutes in the locker room, we're able to talk through that as a group and. Um, in fact, at quarter time, I, I believe the players met before I got out there and talked through exactly the same issues. Unfortunately, at the moment, it, it took us till that uh, that time out or that quarter break to, to get it right. Um, so we will we will fight the season out, and um, I'm confident that our group will definitely bring it next week. We've got another challenge against a team that love it, and Collingwood. You know, I respect them hugely, and what Craig's doing over there and. He's a fantastic coach, and now that's our next challenge is to come and match it against the team that enjoy it as well. So much interest in Matt Crouch. Obviously, you've, you've made him earn it in the last two weeks in the sample. How did you assess his return today? Yeah, well, look, it's hard to it's hard to look at individuals at the moment, mm-hmm. but I thought, you know, Matty came in and similar with the group, I thought he finished the game off well. Yeah, he's a big part of that midfield. Where I'd... So why, if he thinks, like, he's clearly deflected that question. Because yeah. he said earlier on that we didn't bring it in the first half and then he's saying that Matty Crouch finished the game well, which implies that he didn't have a good first half. So why wasn't he prepared to point the finger at a senior player? Like Matthew Crouch is a senior player who has been demanding selection along with all his mates down there at Adelaide. And if he's going to demand selection, he needs to be a key cog in the wheel. And for Matthew Crouch to come in and not have an impact as probably the most senior, just about the most senior midfielder on the ground, um, 
to me, that's unforgivable. It's unforgivable. He's completely and utterly just contradicted himself. Yeah. All right, let's continue. Unfortunately, we didn't get it right early. Um, but it's a, it is a team game. It's When we're playing our best footy, it's every single player on the field, especially through that midfield. So, again, he has deflected criticism away from Matt Crouch. It's a team game. He's implying that the team let Matt Crouch down or that Matt Crouch wasn't integral to our slow start, even though Matt Crouch is a cold-faced player. I, I don't know why a coach would do that. To, for a, maybe for a, for a junior who's just playing his trade and learning his craft, but Matt Crouch, and you'll hear later in the in the in the press conference, Matthew Nick says that Matt Crouch is integral to our midfield. Yet, what Matt Crouch served up for most of the game it was unforgivable, and yet Nick's basically waves it off. Field area, everyone's got their role to play. Sometimes that's holding shape. Sometimes that's it's your ball, and you've got to treat that footy like gold. And today we just didn't quite get that right. In terms of Sam Berry's recent patch, he's put together another really good game today. You know, sort of helped lead the, the the fight back in that third quarter. Really got involved and started, you know, setting the tempo. What have you made of his, I guess, season today? Yeah, really, really pleased that he's been given a little bit more opportunity in around the footy, and he's shown. I mean, he's he's a really, you know. A shining light for us at the moment. The last couple of weeks, he's driven his legs out of stoppage. He's backed himself in, and this is what you know we know happens when these players get an opportunity. And oh my god, do you just want to punch him when he says that? Mm. Like he basically <laughs> has just said, Sandberry is Sandberry is performing because he was given an opportunity and given a bit of time, and has been able to grow as a consequence. Uh, <laughs> it's like, it's like, how long has it taken them to do that? But the point is, if they recognise that that's valuable for a kid like Sam Berry, why isn't it valuable for some of these other kids? You know, yeah. why aren't we seeing some of these other kids? Sam Berry, um, you know, was was consigned to a bloody forward pocket for most of last year, finally gets in the midfield. And uh, we saw the first time Matt Crouch came in that Sam Berry got shuffled forward again and was less effective. But if Matthew Nix recognises that these kids benefit from time at the coalface and time in positions that they're actually drafted for, then why isn't he doing it for, for other kids? Why, why is it only one or two? And why is he seem to want to do it you know, through gritted teeth. Why are we playing some of these kids in the twos instead of giving them a shot in the one? Anyway. Um, and, they're able to play, what, gain experience through play. Sorry, go on. I was just going to say, but the only reason Barry actually got this opportunity is because of that third quarter that he had a couple of weeks ago when all the media started talking about him. Yeah. Only then did he actually start the game. Yep. And in the meantime, Jack Haightley had a really good patch with Sam when we had um, um, room for them in the midfield. Crouch was out, and I think it was Laird out as well, I think. Um, and yeah, Haightley so. had yeah. a three-game patch as an inside midfielder, and it's the best Jack Haightley's played for the club. Jack Haightley yeah. himself has said he wants to be an inside midfielder at Adelaide. 
the coaching staff have designated him as a big-bodied inside midfielder. Now, say what you like about Haitley in terms of his deficiencies, but the simple fact is that instead of allowing Haitley to develop in that role, what have we done? We've pushed him out to a wing, and at the moment, all that does is put Jack Haitley under pressure. It exposes the weaknesses in, in his game. And Haitley is basically ineffective as a result. So we've got Matt Crouch ineffective in the midfield where Haitley was doing okay. Plus we've got Haitley out on a wing and a high half forward. Um, also ineffective because he's not suited to that role. Anyway, let's continue. Playing at the highest level. He's, uh, he's working on other areas of his game as well to really polish it off. But it, it's now a couple of weeks in a row we've been really pleased with with Bez. Um, Saligo, again, probably didn't get quite as much time in there to- today as, as we will give him over the, the rest of this season. But again, he's he's shown... you know. So there's some really positive signs with, with where the group are heading. Um, unfortunately, at the moment, when I sit here and talk with you guys, that he's shown... You know, so there's some really positive signs with, with where the group are heading. So, um, unfortunately, but there's so many positives coming through in, in, with our group. Um, and as you mentioned, Sam Berry's you know, one of those. Can you take us inside the box halfway through the second quarter? Mitch Lewis has got five goals on the board, looking really damaging. You make the change with Butts and Murray. Murray, yeah. Murray kept him goalless from then on and um, seemed to be a positive. I know that it's, you can't just look at the, the facts that he was goalless, but he looked like he had a bit of an impact. Yeah, he did. I, I think, too, you've got to be careful. You don't just look at the individual matchup. You look at where the teams are at and you know the pressure we put Butts under early in that first quarter um, but Muzz you know that's probably one of the real strengths we have at the moment is if, if one of the boys is not at their best the other one's able to step up so again when you talk about I guess positives for for the future of, of our footy club you look at Murray and Butts you know two really young players learning their way gaining experience every week to, to be able to just flip that on them and, and, a, and make it a different matchup and for it to work for us um, that's a really positive. Um, I, I, I think it's, it also comes back to team, the way we structure up, the, the contest we bring ahead of the ball. So it, it isn't all about an individual. McHenry had a really good last quarter. There was that one moment we won the 50 and decided to handball it to Tex, and unfortunately, obviously, Hawthorne went back and kicked a goal back the other way. Do you have a word to Ned just about you know, backing yourself maybe a little bit more in that situation? I have seen him knock a number of balls through from there at training. So That's just a lie. If Ned McHenry has knocked balls from 45 metres out through the goals at training, then that makes his performance at AFL level even worse. Because I don't reckon I've ever seen him hit a shot from there. I have. He, he, can, he can actually, he actually does have a long kick on him. Um, he has done it early on in his career, but he's just, he hasn't lately. Um. So Nick's is he's actually kind of right on that respect, but it was a ridiculous. Well, where instead of instead of um, having a chat with Ned about going back and having the shot, why wouldn't you have a chat to your senior player Walker to say in that circumstance, Tex, instead of running past for the handball just because you're a bit, you know, g'd up. Why didn't you get around next uh, Ned and tell him to settle and have a shot? If that was the yeah. expectation, precisely. If that was the, that was the expectation, Nemec Henry 
this season has kicked eight goals five from 14 games. Um, he's not shown himself to be a, a, a goal-kicking forward at all. But if you want to turn him into that, then surely Tex needs to be on the same page to say, all right, Ned, this is your shot, have a kick. I think Surface is kind of the nail on the head. He's playing for a contract. But that's terrible. That like, yeah. That's a that's a shocking attitude for a senior player to have under these circumstances. Anyway, completely and utterly selfish. And that's why more needs to be actually said about the senior players. All right. It is. It is what it is. Yeah, they're going to make decisions in games. The last thing we want is for them to be robots. Um, he's given it to a reasonable goal kicker in Taylor Walker. So um, that's a hard one for me to make a call at the, at the moment. I'm sure during the week we'll have a chat um, because he is he's a he's a pretty good set shot for goal, Ned. And um, yeah, we'd back him in from there more often than not. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Thanks, Rob. Thank you. I didn't find that impressive at all that press conference I just found it to be yeah. full of platitudes and I, I mean you know alright if you don't want him to come out and, and bag um, players that's fine but I think this club one of the biggest issues that we've got at this club is that we don't hold senior players accountable we don't actually hold them to account and in this case we have four or five senior players Tex Walker Matty Crouch, Rory Laird, Tom Diday, Brody Smith, that need to be held accountable. And you tell me which of those players at the moment you feel is playing a, a leadership role in the team. Uh, I, I don't see it at all. I don't see any of those players. Uh, the past, past two weeks, I would say... Not fully, but Duda is the only one I would give a pass to. Well, Tom's been struggling with his own form um, for you know various reasons. Um, yeah, he has, but the, the guard's off the hand, and the last two weeks he's actually played well since he hasn't been injured. Funny about that. Mm, yeah. So, look, uh, I just wanted to play that because it just struck me that there was a lot of contradictions in there, there was a lot of deflection in there, there wasn't a lot of, of accountability in there. This was a team that we should have beaten, right? Based on our uh, projections of, of ourselves, if you listen to the coaches and all the rest of it. You know, Nick's, Nick says, well, we know what we need to do to bring our best. Well, let's remind people that our best at the moment is 15th on the ladder. That's the crux yeah. of it. Matthew Nick says, we know what we need to do to bring our best. Our best is good enough for 15th at the moment. Our best is not fighting for a top four. Our best is not fighting for a top eight. It's 15th. So if what he's doing to extract our best gets us to 15th, then he's not doing his job. He's not developing these kids. And he's not doing enough to get games into kids that we can see kids like Gallant and Cook and all the rest of it that yes they will have deficiencies and yes they will float out in and out of games but the the simple fact is that Sam Berry by by Nix's own admission 
when he was given an opportunity and a run of games in the position that he's uh, suited to, he has improved every week. And I would say that Sam Berry is now our most proactive and dynamic midfielder. Loved his game today. Anyway, all right. So uh, don't forget, people in the chat, if you want to have your say, uh, we are interactive, of course. So stick your hand up and we'd be more than happy to uh, get you on the uh, live chat um, and hear what you've got to say. Uh, But in the meantime, let's push on with some stats, shall we? Um, Pardon me, Nick. Um, All right. So, uh, disposals, 379, 375, pretty even. Kicks, uh, Hawthorne kicked it more than we did. Um, We had a lot of handballs that just seemed to be handballs because. um, Inside 50s, they are inside 50 dust by 10. Uh, Disposal efficiency was um, surprisingly good from us, but that happens when you're handballing at 5 metres. our efficiency inside 50 was terrible. Contested possessions uh, was certainly... Uh, it was notable in the first half. It probably evened up a bit in the second half, but they still beat us by 15 on that one. Uncontested possessions, uh, we were 12 up on that. Turnovers, uh, you can see there that um, 13 turnovers uh, to the negative uh, for us. And um, that was certainly evident. You don't need a stat to see that. Did you, Nikki? The amount of times we turned the ball over was just uh, a bit ridiculous. Yeah, the only thing I can think of was did we train with yellow Guernseys on um, during the week and we thought we were kicking to ourselves? Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, um, the big one here, uh, hit-outs, 46 to 41. Uh, now, McAvoy was coming back in um, and they also had a couple of other lads that were rucking against O'Brien at times. Riley O'Brien's game, and he, we're talking about senior players, he's one that I haven't really touched on yet. His game was woeful, in my opinion. Absolutely woeful. And it's interesting that McAvoy was coming back, and yet we didn't want to put him up against McAvoy at all. And that's why Tilthorpe actually, um, for the second bounce, you know, they we swapped out because... We, we had a whole idea of who Tilthorpe was going to be, was going to ruck up against him, and he, and he was doing so much better. And then they took McAvoy out, and so, of course, we put Tilthorpe back up forward. It's like we were actually playing well out of the midfield. He was, you know, he doesn't do one tap. I saw at one stage Tilthorpe. One tap didn't quite work, and so he did it again. Um, whereas... Riley is, I hit to the one spot and the one spot only. Yeah, I hit hit to where it's convenient. I saw Riley hit one over his left shoulder straight to a Hawthorne player and it was he hit it there because that was the most convenient spot for him to put it. No care about who was there. That was just where he had to put it because that was the only spot he he could put it. Um, Didn't think about it at all. Uh, The big thing with Riley, as, as I've always said, um, if he's not taking marks around the ground, he's useless. He flat-handed just about every mark he went for. He spoilt, um teammates. Um, in general, we dropped a lot of marks today, but Raleigh O'Brien was by far the biggest um, uh, the biggest offender in that regard. And, and uh, you know, we needed Riley to stand up. And it, it just, you know, 
It's interesting that he was indignant when he got dropped and he went and had that big game in the twos and he came back in and he played all right the first game back in and now he's just settled back into, I'm not going to get dropped again. And if Nick's had any balls at all, he'd have Kieran Strawn in next week or we would ruck Riley Thilthorpe and have someone else up forward Um, because I I felt Riley O'Brien's game was unacceptable today. Uh, Clearances. um, We won the clearances quite comfortably. Uh, which just shows you how some of these stats are a bit silly because whilst we won the clearances, it depended on who won the clearance as to whether it was an effective clearance win or not. You know, if it was a Matt Crouch or or a Rory Laird that won the clearance, inevitably it was a hat kick, a dump kick out of the contest. If it was Schoenberg or Berry uh, that won the clearance, inevitably... It was a move through congestion and try to get the ball forward creatively to try and create some space uh, to allow for a better entry into forward 50 or whatever. <coughs> a clear difference. Yeah. A clear difference between the two. Uh, marks 96 to 89, they outmarked us comfortably. We've already talked about that. Marks inside 50 were even. Contested marks were fairly even. Um, you know, tackles, again, you know, uh, it's an effort situation for Adelaide so you'd expect those numbers to be up and certainly after half time um, they increased but um, you only had to look at the game you only had to look at the game to understand that the chasm between and and if Matthew Nix is looking at um, at stats to give him an indication of whether we're effective or not then he needs to actually go back and have a look at some games, at some footage, because the stats don't really tell the story. You know, they don't tell the story at all. All they all they do is pad out um, and and mask any sort of nuance, because we just didn't use the ball well. We didn't hang on to the ball. We didn't use it well when we had it and um, our, we had no system when we were moving the ball at all. It was just all panic and, uh, you know, uh, not much system whatsoever. The the very classic line is lies, damn lies, and statistics. Yep. The stats can be helpful, um, but out, out of context, they are not a, a good indicator um, of, you know, a, a good coach needs to be able to see past stats. And that's why, you know, who cares if Matt Crouch gets 40 or 45 touches in an SANFL game? First of all, he should, because he's a good enough player to do that at SANFL level. But we've got to actually... You've got to wonder what Matt Crouch did in the twos that was any different to what he was doing in the ones before he got dropped, Nicky. Did he... I I watched a bit of the highlights of the twos um, in that game that he played last week. And I didn't see anything different from Matt Crouch. Not one thing. Oh, he actually kicked two goals. That, that's very different. We, we rarely see that. Uh, yeah, but, but you understand what fair, I mean in terms of his ball movement and oh, all the rest of it. Completely. He was hardly cited in any of those the, the good ball movement that they did show. It was very interesting that the club on Twitter put out, you know, after the SNFL game and listed mm. the number of possessions that he had. I was vastly amused at the the majority of the responses were, so how many of those were handballs and how many of them were backwards? And I've never seen such an engagement before 
from uh, Crows fans to an SANFL report. And the club should have <laughs> – I mean, there's your message to the club from the fan base of we know exactly what he brings to the side and we don't want to see it in the AFL. We know exactly what we're going to get from him. And we're pretty sure he's just going to dish up exactly the same in the SANFL. It's stats padding. Yeah, it is. All right, let's have a look at some individuals. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but Rory Laird had 42 touches, but only 13 kicks, 29 handballs, uh, seven tackles, four clearances, 298 metres gained, which were mostly after half time uh, when he actually started to move the ball forward a little bit. Uh, he had five inside 50s, two centre clearances, only three score involvements, Nick. Out of all that ball that he had, only three score involvements. And that, that stat is anyone that has a disposal in a chain that leads to a score. And he only had involvement in a chain that led to a score three times in 42 touches. And very minimal metres gain. So it's just a it's just indicative of how forty two touches looks great on paper, but it's completely meaningless in the grand scheme of things. Completely meaningless. If you have a look at um <clears throat> pardon me. You have a look at um a guy like uh Tom Mitchell, I would say that Tom Mitchell was the same for Hawthorne. Got a got a fair bit of the ball, twenty eight touches, only had eight kicks, hundred and sixty metres gained. You know, so I didn't notice Tom Mitchell much at all, really. Same sort of thing. Anyway, um, Ben Keys, 30 touches, 14 and 16, 6 marks, 5 tackles, 6 clearances, 213 metres gained. Um, we're really starting to see teams cover Ben's left side. And it's showing him up to be a very one-sided player. And um, he, when he can't get clear of contests, he's basically ineffective with his uh, disposal. Yeah. And uh, often we will excuse some of his disposal because the effort and the will and everything else. But it was just... This was a bad game. I I can't really think of any positives I really saw out of that game yeah. today. But him. Matt Crouch, 28 touches, 10 and 18, had four marks, six tackles, seven clearances, 102 metres gained from those 28 touches, um, one inside 50, uh, three score involvements. So out of... Out of um, Laird and Crouch, six score involvements from, what's that, 70 disposals. So out of 70 times that they touched the ball, only six times did anything they did with those touches result in a score. Um, We've talked enough about Matt. Harry Schoenberg ended up with 25, 10 and 15. I felt like he improved in the second half, had seven clearances and 331 metres gained. Um, uh, only two score involvements again, and that's, again, showing how stifled we were getting the ball connecting between our midfield and our and our forward line. There's just not a lot of connection there whatsoever. Um, 
Uh, 13 contested positives, though, from uh, Harry was good. And I just felt like a little glimmer of the Schoenberg that we saw last year. Um, and hopefully that can continue because I'm starting to worry about Harry a bit. Uh, Brody Smith, 24 disposals, 20 uh, kicks, uh, 8 marks, 3 tackles, 809 metres gained. Um, which is obviously a, a, a gross number because net it was probably half of that. Um, three inside 50s from all that 800 metres gained. Um, only two score involvements from that 800 metres gained. Um, and I'll never believe disposal efficiency stats ever again because Brody Smith did not go at 91.7 disposal efficiency. Guarantee that. Yeah, uh, it was. I saw one good thing from him that game, um, and that was that punch through that he actually did. That was almost going to be a dead set goal to them. I to me that was the only thing I saw decent from Smith today. And I'll counter that with the ball f- coming down fifteen meters out from goal. Smith's the only one facing the right way, running towards the ball. Didn't even go for the mark, and they ended up goaling all Smith had to do was take a chess mark didn't didn't yeah, even go he, for it didn't even attempt he, he basically let MP um get his tail up in the first quarter and made MP actually look like a really good AFL footballer yep um it was indicative of like we're talking and look Brody Brody Smith is not a, a scared player or whatever but that's where a senior player has to be assertive. That that was a 50-50 ball coming down in 15 metres out from their goal. He's the only one facing the right way. All he has to do is sit under the ball and take a chess mark. That's where a senior player has to think, this is where I have to take responsibility. And he didn't. He just didn't. And that, I guess, is the quality of our senior players compared to the quality of the senior players of some of the other teams that are currently rebuilding. But we can't rely on our senior players to the same degree as some of these other players. Uh, some of these other teams can rely on their senior players as they're going through their rebuild. Um, Tom today, uh, as we've spoken about, probably an improved performance today. Uh, Twenty-one touches, twelve and nine, eight marks, uh, three twenty meters gained. Um, he had uh, one inside fifty, six intercept marks, which is what you want to see from Tom. Um, you know, certainly not back to his absolute best, but uh, it was nice to see him actually playing the role that he is best suited to and making the most of it. Yeah, I I had him in um, our best players. Yep. Um, let's bear with me a second. Uh, Sam Berry, uh, 18 disposals 11 and 7 four marks seven tackles three clearances 409 meters gained from an inside mid is fantastic uh six inside 50s is also excellent um he had only the one score involvement though which is disappointing um some of this disposal inside forward 50 needs to be polished up um but certainly in my opinion he was the only real uh, midfielder in our team that was trying to make something happen. And he's just that 
we've talked about it before. There's just just the way that he actually makes space in in congestion for himself. Um, it was just it was such a marked degree between him and the other three senior midfielders. Because the difference between Berry and Crouch and Laird is that Berry hits the ball on the move. Like Laird yes. and Crouch tend to stand flat forward, grab, flat footed, grab, grab the ball, and then dish. Sam Berry tends yeah, they to they Sam Berry tends to drive through congestion. He's got very good lower body strength. He's got good core strength, um, and he's got a good turn of speed in the first five metres and he backs himself, he keeps his hands free, uh, keeps his composure more by and large and actually tries to move through congestion whereas Laird and Crouch will not try and move through, because the thing of it is as a midfielder if you dish it off straight away you're very easy to play against right because you can just, uh, the opposition can just blanket the outlets right, but if you're playing against a midfielder that will hold on to the ball and move through congestion. He's actually drawing other midfielders to him, which frees up space for midfielders around him. So, And that's what Barry does very well, because he retains the ball and he doesn't just hot potato it. He actually draws other play, players to him in congestion, which then allows him to give it off to an outside runner who's got a little bit of space because those their opposition players have been drawn to, to try and contest um sam so that's the value of someone who keeps their feet in congestion and tries to move the ball through congestion rather than just flick it out the back or you know hot potato it out the side or hack dump kick it and that's why berry is far more effective in that position than matt crouch yeah and and the other thing is that what he'll do there is if he does that little thing and they back off from him and he's like, fine, and he runs away. Um, but it, it comes back to the very, very basic football um, instructions you get, which is run through the ball. Yep. Um, I did see at one stage there was a contest on our half forward line and there were two or three Hawthorne players and Keys, and Keys goes to reach his hands forward, He but backs his body away. Yeah. Or just maintains his body weight. He didn't run through it. Yeah. Yeah, and the Hawthorne player just ran through the ball. I was yelling at the television, run through the football. Yeah. That's exactly right. Um, All right. Uh, Let's continue to whiz through these. Nick, um, Jack Haightley had 18 touches but was fairly ineffective. Only 180 metres game for a outside player he's not an outside player and he does need to work on his disposal i'm still 50 50 about whether he makes it jack jackson but he certainly won't make it if they keep playing him out the wing yeah and that's where i was quite scathing on him earlier on because that's where they played him and he was that poor disposal looked lost then they put him in the guts as that inside inside mid as you said earlier and he came of age and it was like okay now i can see an afl player in him Mm. And they've put him back out again, and he's not an AFL player. He's an SNFL player. He's not an AFL wingman. But I don't know whether he's an AFL player, but I'd like him to have the opportunity in the position yeah. that he's actually most suited for. Geordie Dawson, we've spoken about only 15 touches today. He was down 258 metres gained. Um, still had 10 tackles, though, uh, which good players do find a way to impact the contest, and at least he tried to impact the contest 
defensively. Yeah. Had three inside 50s, three score involvements. <coughs> Pardon me. But uh, was not served by our coaching panel uh, in trying to break that tag whatsoever. Um, Will Hamill, I thought, did a couple of nice things. Probably didn't get enough of it. 15 disposals, 7 and 8. Um, had three marks, three tackles. Um, only 83 metres game, which surprises me. Um, uh, but he had nine intercepts, which was very good. Um, you know, he's another player that, um, barring injury, uh, we just need to persist with because he's got good pace off that halfback line, as has Paddy Parnell. Um, still very light. He looks like such a kid. <laughs> um, <laughs> he does. He looks like he's 12. Oh, he does. No, maybe 14. Yeah. Uh, but also 15 touches, um, 229 metres gained. Um, uh, not a terrible game by Patrick, um, and does try to be constructive with ball in hand. Nemec Henry, as usual, um, all effort, um, 14 touches, 9 and 5, um, had 6 marks, 5 tackles, 369 metres gained, um, uh, 6 inside 50, so, you know... Nemec Henry at the moment is the, is the player that's one of our main connectors, certainly on transition. Is that is that the way we want to use Ned McHenry? I think it's, uh, somebody kind of earlier talked about it looked like we're trying to use him as our Castagna, um, in a way. With it's not Castagna's left toe now. No. Um, and he does have some nice skills, but you're and I like his effort. I like that when he does show those nice skills, but then you also get the converse side, you get the bad net. Um and it's and I, I think you've said it before, he's a midfielder, he's not a half forward. Well, he's not a he's not a look. I'm sure there's a role for Ned McHenry in a team at AFL level because he'll give you 100% effort 100% of the time. But given that we are trying to build a premiership squad at the moment, I feel like we've seen Ned's ceiling. I don't, I don't feel like you're going to get any more from McHenry. I think what we've seen now from Ned is what we're going to get for the next 100 games from him. Yeah. I don't think he all of a sudden gets more polished. I don't think he all of a sudden, um, you know, gets more skillful. Um, I don't think he hits the scoreboard anymore. Um, so, and if you want to play him as a midfielder, I don't think he fits in our midfield rotation. We need bigger bodies. So... Um, I think Ned's got some value to a team. But in our stage of development, I don't think it's us. And, you know, um, PJ makes a very good comment on the chat. Ned McHenry has had a massive a massive run in the ones. And a lot of it is down to his efforts, I'm sure. But could you imagine if Jordan Gallucci got the same amount of um, time to develop... Uh, in our in our team that Ned McHenry has, imagine if we gave Jordan yeah. Gallucci fifty games. That would have been nice. You know, a lot of people bag Gallucci because you know he, he didn't have the the same work ethic and all the rest of it. 
I reckon I reckon there was a player there if we actually showed a bit of faith in him. You know, you pick a kid up in the first round and then you don't play him. Anyway, uh, Riley O'Brien, we've already talked about him. Horrendous. Jake Saligo didn't have huge numbers, um, but I just continue to be impressed with, with Jake with his footy IQ. You know, I saw a few times that he was able to... Um, you know, in difficult situations where players were dropping at the knees, he was able to tackle correctly and not give freeze away. Um, he's always looking to use the ball constructively. He gets in very good places and he runs his guts out. Um, and another lad that I think we need to start running through the midfield a whole lot more than what we currently are. Yeah, didn't really notice him in the first half, but in the second half, there's some really nice little things he was trying to do um, quite proactive is like Vardy Magic said he we saw him make some mistakes today that we wouldn't normally um so it, it definitely wasn't his best game he's had a nice little level up and this week was a bit of a drop down again but that's what you're going to get from these younger players and yeah. you you expect it and it's okay for that Correct. to happen 100% 100% Nick um and you pers- you persist with those yeah. lads until they're out of gas. And I said last week, and, and Macca's kind of poo-pooed me, but I, I, they're, they're, I think Jake might just run out of puff before the end of the season um, because it's a big ask for a small-body player to be, um, <coughs> you know, playing in the ones in your first year. Uh, he's done himself no harm this year. Riley Thilthorpe uh, looked good in patches, uh, particularly in the third quarter. Um, and early in the game when he was rucking, I thought he was doing all right. Attacked the ball really nicely yeah. in the air in the third quarter. Gave us a little glimpse of what we might be in for in a few years' time when he matures. Kicked a couple of nice goals. Uh, so not I, a bad game from Riley. I liked his uh, when he kicked that goal and just he was really trying to get get the, the team up. He did not want to lose this game. He wanted to get back in that game. I, I know in our chat when... Um, after he kicked his second goal and he and he was like yelling something something else and somebody made the comment of like even when he gets a free he sulks and it's like that wasn't sulking that was him yelling at his teammates trying to get them up and passionate because he just freaking kicked the goal um, hey, he's got we resting he's got resting sulk face Nick come on you know it yeah <laughs> so it's my cat <laughs> <laughs> but and I I was actually really pleased with his game today. Um, you're right. I really liked his ruck work that he was doing when, when we had him in there. And I also liked um, the way of um, a couple of times that he attacked the ball and he was front on and he did actually, you know, airily go for the ball, which is mm-hmm. something that we've both talked about, that he needs to do a bit more. Yep. There, there were some other opportunities um, or he could have done it and he didn't quite, but as you said in the the chat earlier, he's still developing, he's still a young player. And the thing is, every time he looks at his uh, tape on the Monday and he sees those efforts, he will realise more and more that that's what he's capable of. It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of games, confidence, building his, his strength, etc., etc. And at some stage, he's going to take the game by the scruff of the neck, I'm sure of it. Uh, Nick Murray uh, was Nick Murray. Um, did a good job when they swapped him around with Geordie Butts. Um, but, you know, uh, you get what you get with Nick Murray. 
Uh, Tech yeah. started off really well, um, but I thought let himself down after half time. Um, trying too hard, maybe. Um, playing for a contract, maybe. I don't know. Wasn't a great, wasn't a great second half. No. Um, Geordie Butts struggled early, um, but did all right. Darcy Fogarty struggled again to get himself into the game. I, the only thing that I didn't like was that I saw a fair bit of Tex and Darcy in the same frame again. And what we yeah. haven't done, what we haven't done for a few weeks, is seen Tex and, and Darcy lead to the same areas. And but we saw a bit of that today. I thought. Um, and I didn't like it. So whether that was a concentration thing or they just they just didn't seem to be as cohesive as they have been over the last few weeks. And that's that that's what kind of annoyed me because the, there were a couple of times. I mean, Fog had a bit of an almost game because there was that beautiful that, that contest out on the the wing, and he just you know absolutely flew at the ball but didn't quite take it. Mm. Um, to me, I, I think he's still showing those steps up. It was a bit like Salego. There was there was just that that little drop down, um, from what he has been putting out. But um, I I think we had issues with our forward entries, and you're right that positioning that those two were too close together. Whereas previously, where Fog's actually been really um quite good, is because he's kept away from text. Well, Texas, Texas kept yeah. away from him. Yeah. Um, and the two that I would have out in a heartbeat, Wayne Miller and James Rowe, neither did anything. I didn't even realise James Rowe was playing until about halfway through the second quarter. Um, and Wayne Miller, again, being played out of position, he is not a half forward. He needs to be running at the ball, particularly at the moment. Um, if we, like, we've got a bloke like Wayne Miller... We need pace on the outside. Why are we playing him as a half forward flank? Honestly. Or full forward. Why? Why, Nick? Because McAdam was out, so we played him where we'd normally play McAdam. And James Rowe, uh, not AFL standard. Um, you know, got a good footy brain. Uh, very good at SANFL level. He's not AFL standard. I think the experiment is over. And um, I don't... Like, you've got to think about whether you could see James Rowe playing in a premiership winning team. And I don't know about you, Nick, but I can't. No. I, I in the just, SANFL, I yeah. Can't. Yeah, I, I just can't. So um, um, I think I think, you know... This game highlighted, I think, a few deficiencies in our in our list uh, and a lot of deficiencies in our coaching. Um, you know, and there's a bit more pain to come, I think. Uh, we're going to win games because of our effort. When we bring 100% effort, we can certainly scrap it out with, with most teams. But that's not sustainable. And it's it's a good way for a team to start in terms of a rebuild, but at some point pretty soon this current coaching panel is going to have to start introducing some system and some polish. And if they don't, then they're going to have to be replaced and maybe we're going to have to have a think about a few of the players that are currently getting games 
um, you know, as first 22 players like Nan McHenry, who really shouldn't be getting those games. It shouldn't be happening three years into a rebuild. If you're doing this three years into a rebuild, you shouldn't be in charge of the rebuild. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Look, Knicks has done a lot right in the first couple of seasons. Just wonder whether we're starting to see his limitations. And let's let's not forget, he's a first-time coach as well. And he's got some learning and development to do as well. And, you know, we've got Scott Burns around him as senior assistant. Scott's been a senior assistant for a very long time, but he hasn't been a head coach. You know, we had um, situations before where we had, you know, when we had Bales here. Um, it makes you wonder whether Matthew Nix needs a uh, some sort of um, football coordinator or something like that to get around him um, and to, get, to give him some assistance. Um, because as it stands at the moment, I think his limitations are showing. And if he's getting guidance from blokes like Mark Rusciuto, then we're in a lot of trouble. Mark Rusciuto, who was wearing a port beanie on the weekend. Seriously? Yep. Didn't you see it in the in the in the um, broadcast? He was wearing a port beanie. No. One of our, cl- one of our club greats who would have supposedly bled during showdowns and who beat the living suitcase out of Josh Carr down at at the um at the um what's the pub called again? <laughs> That's with an R. That, at the Ramsgate. That's right, yep. Um was wearing a port veiny. Come on mate. I'm I'm sorry, but you're the football director. Of a club, you don't be wearing other club stuff. I just feel like it was a terribly for. I get it's a bit of fun and la 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 la, but he's a football director. That's that's like the equivalent of like I don't know, Chris Davies or something wearing a crow's painting. I mean, it just wouldn't happen. I I actually thought it was. I mean, it sounds really petty, you know, but by the same token. When is this football club going to toughen up? And for our football director and one of our board members and one of our club greats who bled for the Guernsey during showdowns and was integral to, you know, fueling the rivalry between Port and and Adelaide, it's just not a good look. It's just not a good look, in my opinion. Cockwomble. Definitely cockwomble. And, uh, look... Why don't we just get through our votes, Nikki? Because that shouldn't take too long, and then we might actually finish off with your cockwomble. <laughs> I think I think we've got the winner already. Oh, <laughs> uh, it, it was it was actually really hard. I I I kind of know who's first, but the order after that could be. Oh, uh, I've, I've gotten the the order that I've written them in because I think that's probably the 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 only one. So Barry. With a five, I think he was just for all four quarters. Uh, then I had Duday, Tilthorpe, Schoenberg, and Hamill. Very good. I also had Berry, 
I had, um, geez, it does get hard after this, doesn't it? Yeah. It really does. Tom D. Day. I, I went, I went with D. Day because he was, he was good over all four quarters. The other three were in and out. Yeah. Um, geez. Geez. It is hard. <laughs> it is really hard. Um, I, th- I think that's the performance today shows that, you know, we can kind of get two that are, yeah, and after that, mm. Yeah, it's not easy at all. I'm going to give, oh, oh, God. All right, I'm going to give Chewy three. I'm going to give Saligo two, and I'm going to give... Boggity one. How's that? I don't know. I don't like yeah. those at all. Still thought probably stiff in mine. Not to get a look in. That was very difficult. Very difficult. All right. Uh, Nikki, probably yes. finish off with a bit of a cockwomble, shall we? <laughs> I actually would have to have watched games. There's not much going on, really. Rashido to me is like it altogether. Yeah, I I think it just totally has to be that you are the football director of a club. Yes, you have a media gig, but you've got that media gig because you're the football director at the club. You were great at the club. Now I can understand if it was a losing bet or something like this. Um, but with the way everything's been going, this you just—it is not a good look. And I would hope, actually, that the chairman of the board actually asked him to please explain. Yeah, agreed. Why are there certain people that continue to just come on here and, uh, you know, make themselves out to be pro-supporters when they're just uh, basically trolls? And using particular language that is not appropriate. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Time to go, I think. Uh, thanks everyone for joining us on the show today. Sorry, it was a bit downbeat, but there's not a lot to smile about at the moment with the uh, <laughs> with the performance this week. So uh, I think we just and we uh, did an hour and a half, not two. I oh, know that that makes me smile. So look, thanks very much for your support. <laughs> if you want to get around uh, the Crowcast on Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash AFL Crowcast. Uh, don't forget if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, giving us a subscribe and a like would be much appreciated. If you're listening to us on your podcast, um, platform, don't forget, uh, particularly on iTunes, you'd give us a review. That'd be most appreciated. In the meantime, thanks very much. And, uh, we will see you next week. Not at all. 